Nomai, Haremai, and welcome to Here and Now, a podcast series where we discuss climate action and the steps that Auckland Council is taking to make our home everlasting. I'm Shbanthi Sinhalagay Fonseca, and I'll be asking the questions that matter. Join me as we speak to those closest to the action. We'll sit down in public places all over Tamaki Makoto, taking our conversation to the very spaces Auckland Council is looking to protect. So why don't we get started? For this episode, I'm heading to the recently opened Glen Innes to Tamaki Drive Shared Path. I'll be speaking with Courtney Groundwater, Manager of Active Modes Planning at Auckland Transport, and Giles Bendel, General Manager of Design and Place at Ekepanuku Development, about the way that well-connected neighbourhoods play a role in climate action. So join me as I visit Te Ara Ki Utakitai, the awesome new shared path that connects land to sea. Kia ora. We're here at Te Ara Ki Utakitai, the path of land to sea, a perfect name gifted by Mana Whenua for the shared path that will eventually connect Auckland's eastern suburbs to the city centre. This is a beautiful spot that is used by hundreds of pedestrians and cyclists daily. Before we get into it, I'd like to set the scene. It's a beautiful day in Tamaki Makoro, and we're sitting on a bench on the shared path. You might hear water lapping, that's the beautiful Oraki Basin, and the path we're on goes right over the top of the water. You'll also hear Aucklanders enjoying the path, walking, running, and of course cycling. You may even hear the occasional train go by, plane fly overhead, and the wind rush through. We hope this helps you enjoy the environment we're sitting in as we have this korero. I'm joined by my guests, Courtney and Giles. Courtney, Giles, if you could please introduce yourselves, what you do, and your connection to Tamaki Makoro. Um, so I'm Giles Bindle. I'm, my connection to Tamaki Makoro is I'm born and bred here, so I grew up on the North Shore. Uh, for 20 years, and I was in between Northcote and Birkenhead. Um, lived in the bush of Leroy's Bush, pretty much. Uh, now I live over in Mount Albert, where we've got a young family, um, and um, all my broader family are sort of around Auckland as well. Uh, so I've got my parents up on South Kuiper Head, where that's where I probably call my um, broader family home. That's where we have our Christmases and everything else. So my life has always been in Tamaki. Yeah. Wonderful. And Courtney, I know that you're uh, more of a recent uh, inhabitant of Auckland. Yes. So I um, I moved to Tamaki Makoto as an adult um, for work, but I now live here um, with my partner in Onihunga and just about to start a family here as well. Brilliant. Great to have two very passionate um, Aucklanders here with us today. Hey, um, I want to dig in a little bit into, I guess, the work that you both do, which um, has a lot to do with uh, the way the city's transport um, is is progressing and I suppose the way that um, Aucklanders will get to sort of see the built world around them and the kind of housing and amenities and things like that that, um, that will be coming along. So, We'll start with you, Courtney. So this path right here connects the eastern suburbs with the inner city, right? It gives people a sustainable way to travel into the city. 
We know this is important because transport is the largest contributor to Auckland's carbon emissions. Uh, Auckland Council has declared a climate emergency, passed a targeted climate rate, unanimously approved a climate plan, which calls for a 64% drop in transport emissions. This is all, I mean, it all sounds wonderful. It's ambitious. It's something we can be proud of. Um, How is your department within Auckland Transport, Active Modes Planning, helping the council change the way that people are moving around the city? Yeah, so I um, I work in Auckland Transport and Active Modes Planning, which means we look at kind of the networks for walking and for cycling and how we are going to invest in both the infrastructure and the kind of other customer growth initiatives that go around that um, in the city. So we've uh, recently, um, you may have seen in the media, developed a plan for sort of our cycling investment over the next 10 years. Um, And that's really ambitious. It's looking to work towards those targets that council have set and sort of where can we keep connecting up our network? Because what we know is... um, we need to give people the option that's attractive and, and safe for them if they are going to cycle. We can't just expect them to go out and and go on the roads if they don't feel comfortable doing that. So cycling something that we hear a lot about and um, there are people out there that are very passionate about cycling, but at the same time it can be a divisive topic as well. Um, We can see how cycling, obviously, if you're able to swap your car out and you're able to cycle, is a really straightforward way of um, doing your part for climate change. But is there more around, and this might be sort of beyond sort of the work you do daily, but I wonder if you might be able to tell us a bit more of sort of the other things other than cycling that um, the council would really like people to get into in terms of sort of swapping out the the driving. (laughs) Yeah, well, so I guess... First of all, when we're talking about cycling these days, we also we uh, bundle it up with what we call micromobility. So I'm sure everyone's aware of things like e-scooters that we're seeing a lot more of on the network. So t- these days, cycling doesn't just mean you get on your push bike and you ride. It could mean a whole range of things, an e-skateboard, an e-scooter, a push scooter, um, an e-bike. When we're seeing, I think in the last three years, we've seen a tripling of kind of uptake of e-scooters and e-bikes. So these new technologies are really changing things. But alongside that, we've also got walking, which is really great for short trips and actually can be really convenient. And obviously our public transport network with the buses, the trains and the ferries. So there are a lot of ways to sort of start getting around Auckland, not just the car. Wonderful. Giles, um, how do you get to work normally? How do I get to work? A combination of sometimes I drive a car, sometimes on the train, um, yep. or cycle on the odd occasion as well. And I guess we're seeing more and more Aucklanders sort of going from the single car use to a bit of more of a combo mm. in transition, um, and that's a perfectly good kind of way to to try to kind of dip your toe into reducing emissions. Is that yeah. would that be the right way to put it? Absolutely. I think any kind of part of your trip or trip that you can can yeah. swap out is great. I mean, um, this morning I rode an e-scooter to the train station and got the train. I think you know there's a lot of ways to mix and match these different modes and. Sometimes the car is a part of that. Giles, so on that sort of, um, I guess, tangent, with what the work that you do at Ekepanuku, it's uh, there's a transport element to it, but there's more than that, isn't there? Um, what, tell us a bit more about sort of what your role is and what Ekepanuku does. Um, so my role is general manager of design and place at Ekepanuku. Uh, so I look after the design team um, and the placemaking team there. Um, our role um, as uh, part of helping uh, the council uh, in terms of climate change 
is all around that urban regeneration. Um, all our focused areas that we work in are surrounded by um, where Auckland Transport um, has already done huge amounts of investment in public transport, so train stations or really good bus networks um, or the cycleways that Courtney was talking about before. Um, and our sole role really is to improve the living environments around those town centres, um, to increase the density so that more people are based around those um, existing infrastructure or planned infrastructure that's coming in the short term. That's our focus. Great. It's interesting. I want to touch on something you just mentioned in terms of based around that infrastructure. Mm. Because I guess in Aotearoa, sometimes we can see town centres as places people travel to and from, yeah. right? So that kind of old school, I'm going into town, yeah. as opposed to I live in town and everything is is there. And um, and I guess that's also why there's just so much public chatter, chatter around things like where to park, right? Because it's this kind of, I'm coming in from the outside. Um, but your thriving town centre's guidelines also mentions kainga, or homes, alongside transport and other elements. And I think that's sort of what you're touching on with kind of being based around that. Um, but can you tell us a bit more about that connection and town, town centres and sustainability goals? How does uh, not only density, but density in these kind of, I guess, in these nodes contribute to that overall uh, climate change goal? So there's three things that we try to do at Ecopanuku. It's probably a simple way of explaining the importance around sustainability. It's um, how we do the, do the development. Um, it's what we're developing and where we do it. So the how um, is probably simply around um, when we're building something, we've got to build it much greener than we ever have before. So that's green standards, making it warmer and healthier so people don't have to heat it or cool it in winter or summer. That's what we're building. So we're trying to move away from the standalone houses to more things like medium density terraced housing or apartment buildings. Uh, so that certainly takes the need of spreading the city out into this, um, the rural environment, taking up our productive land and the natural, natural environment um, and where we're doing it. Um, and that is around our town centres, around the transport networks. And as Courtney was talking about before, we want more people out of cars. Um, and if we've got people living uh, in more dense areas within town centres, they can either jump on the train or they can jump on a, a bike, um, do short trips, um, or even better, they don't need to actually travel outside the town centre because they live there, they can walk down to the cafe, they can walk down to the groceries or the, the butcher or go to the barber. Um, so the need for travel is um, diminished a hell of a lot. So that's what we're trying to do to contribute that because we're very aware um, the effort that Auckland Transport are doing um, is doing the heavy lifting of reducing emissions because transport is the biggest contributor for Auckland. So how we live um, is crucial in that part. Yeah, and I think what Jao says around kind of the density and the reducing the need for travel, it also supports how we invest in the transport system because if more people are in a place it's much easier to provide more frequent public transport services to that place because they get used by more people so it sort of reinforces the cycle of sort of it gets better and better um, and also I think we often think when we're thinking about how we travel we think about our commutes but it's not only our commutes that's sort of one type of trip we do five days a week maybe a lot more people work from home these days. Um, but there's all those local trips to the shops to go and get your milk or whatever it might be that you need. And being able to have options for how you do those trips and not having to take the car um, is really important. So having yeah people living around where you can also access those things 
is really helpful. And living in Onihanga, um, you're probably seeing quite a bit of that change happening, right? Because um, for me, growing up in central Auckland, Onihanga felt far away, even though now it feels like it's very much a central suburb. And I think part of that is due to, um, I guess, the more intensification we're seeing there. So it feels a bit more central, but also the train station and that connection just suddenly makes things a lot more accessible, right? So um, what are you seeing um, on the ground there? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the reasons I chose to live in Onihanga was because of both the fact that it's, it is it is a town centre in itself, so I it has sort of all of the things I need there most of the time, and um, I, I'm really lucky in that they're a walking distance from my house, so it's easy for me to go pop down and, I don't know, get my milk from the dairy or go to the supermarket even, um, but also the, the public transport connections. So there is a train station. There's also some great frequent bus services. So you have options. And I think that's also what's really important about investing in these different modes of transport for Auckland, because having that resilience, like, oh, uh, maybe the train's not coming immediately, but I can grab the bus. Or um, if there was a cycleway that took me to where I was going, I could bike instead of taking the bus. You know, just having the option, even how you travel day to day might change based on your needs. So... Cool. So um, moving on to, I guess we've talked about the council piece and the planning and the infrastructure, but let's talk about the psyche of the Aucklander, right? So Auckland is famed for being a a car-centric city around the country. We hear about Auckland's legendary traffic jams. Um, And so when you think about the, I guess, the mentality of the Aucklander, how much of a challenge will it be to get locals to get on board with more active modes of transport, more public transport, and also more intensification in a city that's, you know, been quite into buying up real estate with, you know, backyards and carports and whatnot. Change is hard. You know, I think it's it's actually interesting when you're talking about living in Onihanga. I remember living um, in the back of Avondale for a bit, and I was quite separated from the town centre and um, the shops and there was no parks around us and so for us every time we did anything we had to get in the car to go to a park go to a playground buy something to eat and everything else um, I've moved around a bit closer to Mount Albert now and I've got um, a bus stop outside my house I've got a park across the road that has extensive cycleways that have just been built um, I can walk down to a cafe, I can walk down to the shops. Um, all my kids walk to school now. Um, we used to travel around because there was no buses where we were or anything else. So I didn't realise the convenience of little steps of where you live and I just couldn't go back now. And that's, you know, but you have to experience that little little change. And I know that other people that, um, friends of mine that live in the city centre now, um, they can't imagine living the old lifestyle. So it all takes a little while for people to try things. Little steps or big steps are all knowing people to actually champion their friends or family to do the same. And it's not, you know, I think what we're really creating in Auckland is different ways to live at different times of your life. It's not about everyone has to be in an apartment or everyone has to be in a terraced home. Different types of homes are good for different types of people for different types of their lives. I think people are starting to realise that. You know, lots of people are retiring now and they don't want to look after a big garden. They want to lock up and leave. So um, you certainly see quite a lot of the uh, retired people picking up apartment living faster than other people sometimes. So it's, it's, it's different for everyone. 
Yeah. And I think, as Giles said, change is hard, but um, it doesn't have to happen overnight. You don't have to all of a sudden go, I'm ditching the car and I don't use it anymore. I mean, I think it's about us challenging ourselves like, what are there some trips I could swap out? And sometimes we just haven't actually thought about it. I mean, I've got a lot of friends. Obviously, I'm a bit of a champion within my circle. And uh, one of my friends told me, oh, the other day, they'd just recently moved to a new house. So they were in a different location, which meant they had different opportunities for how they could travel. Um, And they were going to get some takeaways. And the the takeaways are two blocks from their house. But obviously in the old house, it was further away and they would have had to drive to get there. And my friend was about to get in the car and her husband said to her, what would Courtney do? And she said, probably walk. And she said, and then I walked and it was so close and I just hadn't ever thought about it. So I think it's kind of thinking about actually, what are the trips I'm making and could I do them differently? Sometimes we just haven't even realised. That's funny. I like what would Courtney do? Um, (laughs) T-shirts for your friends for Christmas, maybe. Um, But that's a really interesting point that you both make, right? Because for Aucklanders themselves to, um, or ourselves rather, to play our part in emission reduction It's not us thinking, oh, I'm going to go get my takeaways. I'm going to go get the supermarket. How would I do this in the most climate-friendly way? Which is sometimes some of us do think that way. But with all of the other priorities we've got going on, sometimes it's the, hey, what's actually more convenient might be also the more climate-effective way. Would that be a correct categorization? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, I think people don't, you get so used to a rhythm. Yeah. You, I've got to go somewhere, get the keys out, get yeah. in the car, and you don't really think, actually, getting in the car, I'm going to get stuck in traffic, and then I've got to find a park, and I don't know where to park, whereas somebody else might jump on a bike and be there faster, and they park right outside because they just tie up the bike. You know, those yeah. sort of things, you yeah. just, if you're not thinking about it, because you're just used to a certain behaviour. Um, but like I say, we're not asking people to change and do one thing, it is actually just having the options to do lots mm. of different things for whatever you might be doing. Yeah, and I think that's where our role as the kind of wider council family comes in is investing in making sure that it is convenient for people to have those options. Um, Because if you don't have the option, you can't make that choice. Is there a fear that given working from home is becoming more prevalent and we've got like the brain drain and things like that, that a lot of what's being built and planned may not have as much of an uptake? What are you seeing in terms of projections? Um, I don't think it's going to be... It changes a, a little bit, like maybe immediate demand, but it's just another... And it's a good thing, right? That people work a bit from home so they're not travelling in all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think it also just means that sometimes everyone's not trying to be at work at 9 o'clock. Some, you know, I've found in the office that some people go, well, I don't want to be in the mid-hour, but, you know... Um, rush hour they want to come in about 10 or 11 so that just spreads the load so it means it's easier for us to have good services across the whole day uh, and it just mixes things, mixes things up it's good yeah yeah basically what Giles said <laughs> <laughs> all things going well from I suppose an uh, ekipanuku or a, or a um, I guess a city design perspective and from a um, active transport perspective, what would gold standard or what would winning look like? Like, say the year is 2050 and you've been able to sort of achieve everything that you've set out to achieve. What does that look like for you in terms of, like, the dream? Um, who's using it? Um, what's life like? Can you paint me a picture? 
I can start on that. Um, so I think it's it's much it's much bigger than just thinking. The answer you might expect me to say is everybody's moving around, walking and cycling, but I actually think it's it's bigger than that. It's about the livability of Tamaki Makoto and we're in a city where our kids can travel independently and we don't have to worry about their safety. They can travel like people did in the good old days, you know, um, get out with their friends for a ride on the weekend or get themselves to school. Um, it's a city where... We don't have um, the same kind of health issues from inactivity because people are, are baking activity more into their day through either walking, cycling, or even just moving from their home to the bus stop or whatever it might be. And it's a city where I think businesses are really thriving because all of that foot traffic and things are getting getting past their front doors. Um, they're really benefiting from that. You know, cars don't buy things. They don't go into stores. Just having people drive past isn't always the big benefit you might think. Um, but we do see people walking and cycling tend to go into stores more and support local businesses. Uh, 2050? I, I don't know. Uh, I think if I closed my eyes and I tried to dream about that, I would like to see a city that having a car is a bit of an oddity. You know, you might have one, you might not. Um, that our buildings have got, you know, all got green roofs and they've got their walls are dripping with green. I'd like to see people sitting on their balconies enjoying the green and looking at toys that have been drinking nectar from the street trees that are outside, that the the streets are no longer, you know, wall-to-wall concrete from one side to the other. It's um, rather than just having cars moving and cars parked, it's maybe got the odd car, but it's more around the street trees, it's more around people walking on the sidewalks, it's um, people on bikes, you know, that kind of thing. And then our town centres, you know, they've all kind of grown up and they've matured and they're all they're all like mini destinations in their own right. They've got a nice little human hum of life and they're all kind of mini communities. I think mm. we kind of, I think there's a lot of areas in Auckland at the moment that there isn't a quite the sense of community that there could be. And I certainly hope that as we live in the future that wherever you are, there is a really strong sense of community and you're experiencing the city. It's a beautiful city that you're experiencing and you're seeing for what it is. You're not sitting behind a car stuck in traffic getting irritated about life. <laughs> That's not what we want. <laughs> just thinking about what you just said, um, Giles, around sort of, I guess, well, actually, both of you painted a picture of there being just almost more buzz and more activity and more people going into stores and, you know, being out and about. Does that mean that we also will need a corresponding almost population growth? Like, does that mean that Auckland will also need to sort of, I guess, get more people living here? Or, or, or do we already have sort of projected numbers for what 2050 might be looking? Are we expecting more people here? Because it seems to me that, you know, it just seems like if people are all kind of out there and doing things, I'm imagining crowds. Uh, well, Auckland is growing. Yeah. I mean, it's been growing... Um for many years, and yeah. it's often been growing faster than we expect it to. It's always on the higher projection. So we know it's still going to happen, and we know that more and more people, and this is globally, yeah. people are going to cities more and more, and that's just yeah. a natural um, thing that's occurring. Um, Auckland being the biggest city in New Zealand, more people are moving here because there's more jobs and opportunities. Um so growth is happening, um, so we know it's going to happen. So really we're almost trying to accommodate that growth with these with these plans that you're working on. That's right. what's, yeah. the, what's the counterfactual? Is it just sprawl and traffic? Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. 
yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and sprawl is much harder to provide for from an, an infrastructure perspective and not only transport, but obviously transport being yeah. a big one because you have to build longer infrastructure, roads or train yeah. lines or longer bus routes, whatever it might be, to to service that growth and it's fewer people living in each area. So, you know, it makes it more expensive to build a city um, around Sproul. I think if we didn't do what we're doing in terms of planning around the transport, trying to encourage change, encourage people to live differently, people will not want the city that will be built without that thought. As you say, sprawl, it's just more traffic. You can't cater for it for public transport. It's more and more traffic. There's no way you can get out of it. It's mm. just going to get worse. Yeah. And everyone hates it. Yeah. So if we don't change, you're just going to hate more. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't change, nothing will change. I yeah. mean, that's... <laughs> Do you want to tell us just a bit more about um, some of the projects um, that you're working on and what the what the future looks like? Um, so I guess some of the exciting projects that are underway at the moment, we've got um, places like Takapuna where we're developing um, a new town square which is under construction, which is pretty exciting. That will be surrounded by apartment buildings in the coming years. Coming into the city, we're just starting the design work on um, a new large urban park that will be right on the end of Wynyard Point. Um, so it's the largest park um, since Victoria Park was developed 100 years ago. It's going in the city centre, so it's pretty exciting. Um, out in Avondale, we've, we're just starting a development. We've just signed a, a development agreement with a developer to finally develop a very large site that's right in the middle of Avondale that's been vacant for many, many years. Um, so to so have that finally filled up with, with people and apartments is pretty exciting. Um, down in Monaco, we've got a large new destination playground going up in Hayman Park, which is exciting to bring people in there. And many more, I mean, all projects, we've got so many exciting projects, I could probably go on for a bit, <laughs> but I think those are probably a couple of good ones to, to start with. Sounds like a great time to be living in Auckland. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, Auckland's a beautiful place. It really is. There's not many cities that have uh, two or three harbours and 50 volcanoes and islands scattered across the Gulf. I mean, it's quite special. We forget it sometimes. And Courtney, for you, what do you have coming up that Aucklanders can kind of look forward to? Oh, wow. We um actually really exciting through the um, climate action targeted rate. We've got some more funding for walking and cycling and public transport. So lots more happening in that space uh, from sort of new services and increasing um, the frequency of some of our bus services and things, decarbonising our ferry and bus fleet, um, as well as new cycleways. And yeah, it's something that's happening here, sort of as where we are is um, the completion of Te Ara Ki Uta Kitai, um, and that's section four, which connects us um, up from the kind of Oraki train station down to uh, Tamaki Drive, which will make an amazing connection uh, for the people sort of out towards the east of the city centre. And I've heard, yeah, already some great stories from people, even though this doesn't connect all the way through to the city centre, it obviously connects people, residential areas to train stations and to some of the local shops. Um, and so, yeah, really exciting to hear people saying, oh, I used to have to drive to the shops to get my bread from this bakery I like, but now we can ride with the kids from home all the way there and it's a great kind of way to spend a Saturday morning. Um, or someone else told me the other day, oh, the train, uh, no, the bus wasn't running, but I could now cycle to the train station. So just really excited to see how these um, facilities are sort of transforming things for the people that live in the community. 
Thank you both for joining us here on this beautiful day on the cycleway, Te Ara Ki Utakitai, the path of land to sea. Being passionate about urban planning and designing communities, I personally loved being part of this conversation with Courtney and Giles today. I think the best way to achieve Auckland Council's climate goals is by multiple organisations and community groups working together. So having collaboration as a big talking point today was really awesome. I'd encourage you to consider the shared path as a commuting option, especially if you live in the eastern suburbs and work centrally. And even if you don't, it would make a beautiful Saturday morning walk or bike too. Here and Now is a podcast brought to you by Auckland Council. Hosted by Shemanthi Sinhalagay Fonseca. Produced by Te Ahe Butler with project management by Eden French-Putu and series production by Jane Yee. Also, a special shout out to our friends at Rollercoaster for building our park bench portable studio.